Purchase a Ford fans on all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford fans on all-you-can-eat tickets now. Time to bring in Ben Anderson. You hear him on the jazz radio broadcast on the pre-half and post-game show. He is on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, Ben, the Jazz suddenly can't stop anybody. They look like they're playing at two-thirds speed, and everyone's zooming past them. What is going on? Uh, you know, David, actually, I think, I think you were the first person I saw really kind of pointed out. I think it was going back to the Dallas game uh, that they actually won here. It was a Saturday, what, maybe a month ago now, where... Luka Doncic was just getting past every Jazz defender off the dribble without a screen. I mean, he was just getting into the paint anytime he wanted, especially in the first quarter. And I think that kind of opened something up for the rest of the NBA to realize, hey, the Jazz just don't have that guy on, on the perimeter that can stop you from penetrating. And every team basically since then has tried to find a way to attack that and has had success attacking it. And the Jazz, despite all the talk of you know the, the five-man small ball units that we've seen the Jazz playing, I really do think the majority of it or a lot of it still comes down to the Jazz not being able to get a stop at the point of attack. And I think that's, that's going to continue to be a problem until the Jazz can solve it. Okay, Ben. So let's just take the times that the Jazz were playoff teams, right? So what's it? we're going back uh, three years. In that time... Sure. Would you say, so this would be the fourth year, right? So in those four years, is this the worst defensive team they've had of the four? Yes, definitely. Uh, And it's almost difficult. I mean, yes, because some of the personnel is just not very quick. You know, the Jazz just don't have a ton of foot speed on the perimeter, and they're forced to play on the perimeter, and that's an issue, and that was a question mark before the season. Also, the league has changed so significantly in those few years as far as their willingness to attack what the Jazz do well that they look even worse defensively during the stretch. Okay, because that's what I'm going to ask you. What is the difference then between those other four years or other three years and now? That, that every team really can go five out. Basically, every team. The Jazz are. And then, you know, the Jazz can do it too. They just haven't yet. Uh, and that's not to say, hey, they've got some center that they're hiding on the bench that can do it. No, you know, you have Boyan Bogdanovich, who if you have to play at the five, you play at the five. Because right now the Houston Rockets are playing uh, Robert Covington at the five or P.J. Tucker at the five. You know, they are playing strange players out of position, and they're not focusing on position anymore. I mean, it's just kind of an antiquated idea in the NBA. They're focusing on what skill sets do we have on the floor. Do we have a guy who can play a little bit of defense down low if we have to? And they say, yeah, it's Robert Covington. Uh, and, you know, and do you have enough shooting? Yeah, you can spread them out. And, you know, whether it was last night it was Dario Saric for the uh, – for the Suns, they felt like, hey, we've got enough shooting there. We don't necessarily need to have a big guy on the floor. So, or, or, or rely specifically on a point guard because even though he shot well last night, Ricky Rubio is not a great shooter. They start focusing more on what skills they're addressing or missing on the floor, and they trust that rather than just saying, hey, we don't have a guy who's over 6'8 or 6'9 on the floor. That's going to be a problem for us. So I think that's specifically what's changed. So I agree with some of the stuff you're saying, but the thing is that 
of these three games since the All-Star break, the best game they played was Houston. I thought they had three pretty good quarters in the Houston game. I thought they had one decent quarter in the Suns game, and I thought they had pretty much zero. (laughs) There was nothing good about the Spurs game. So when you look at that, it's like, well, they played the best against the team that has the most talent and the most success. So that means that a lot of this is in their mind. It's not X's and O's stuff on the court. Not that any of the analysis of the X's and wrong. It's just not the primary issue right now. Are you buying that? I do think there's some, you know, they play to the quality of their opponent. Uh, I, I don't think that's, you know, all that uh, difficult. That maybe they don't get up for the, for the games against San Antonio. And they probably walked into that game casually and then performed casually throughout and just were never able to flip that switch that I don't know if they assumed they were going to or not. And then I think Phoenix did the same thing. I think after they played pretty well, I think you're right against Houston. Maybe they said, okay, well, those were two bad games. Let's get rid of those. Now you get ready for a team in Phoenix who you can beat and are supposed to beat. And it's going to go back to that team that won 19 of 21 over teams like Houston, or I should say over teams like Phoenix. And that's who you're going to rely on. And you're just going to be able to beat them because you're more talented than they are. And I think that's why last night was so shocking for Jazz fans. It's because the Jazz are more talented. The Jazz had better rest. They were they had been at home. There was more urgency to snap this this losing streak, and they still weren't able to do it. I think that's what what felt specifically so jarring. So yeah, we had some folks saying, "Well, the media's got to be tougher in the questioning and blah blah blah." And we can say they suck a thousand times over. Because we just basically say what they do. They determine to a good extent as far as what we say, not ourselves. If they play well, we say they play well. If they play crappy, we say they play crappy. So to me, that's obvious. When Rather than debate that as far as how they played, because it's 0-3 coming out of the break is worst-case scenario as far as record-wise. Literally, you can't get any worse. So rather than just continue to beat that, what can happen over these next 26 games that allow them to improve to be in a position where they can go into the postseason with some kind of momentum. They do need to, and it's tough to do in 26 games, they do need to figure out some sort of an identity that, that will combat some of these things that, that opponents are doing to them. And, you know, if you're just going to rely on beating the Jazz on the perimeter because you can, you know, out-dribble them or, or simply beat them with speed, maybe the Jazz need to find a way to counter that. And I don't know if that's going to a small lineup where you have Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson and Royce O'Neal and, and Boyan Bogdanovich on the floor. And those are your five guys. And you say, well, we'll play five out. Every single one of those guys can shoot. With the exception of Royce O'Neal, every single one of those guys can create a shot. And if all those guys can create a shot, Royce O'Neal's going to get open looks from three and he's got to hit them like he was early in the season. But, you know, maybe that has to be your counter. And you just have to say, we're willing to go not, not just as radical, but even more radical than some of the opponents that you're seeing right now. Because... You know, taking DeAndre Ayton off the floor uh, when you're a lottery-bound team and he was your number one pick who's, you know, finally available for you and healthy and actually playing really well. And Monty Williams said, well, we're going to sit him for, the, you know, basically the final two quarters uh, because we want to win this game more importantly than we want to develop DeAndre Ayton. That's a radical move. And Houston trading Clint Capella is a very radical move. Teams that are willing to do that have been able to beat the Jazz, and maybe the Jazz need to match that or do it and just say, if you want to be weird, we can be weird. And that was part of the idea, I think, of, of building this lineup and building this roster was to say they need to be more versatile than they have been in years past. And they haven't really actually tested that, I think, as much as they probably can. And I understand why they don't want to. I understand that's probably a tough 
conversation to have with Rudy Gobert to say, hey, we think you're our best player and we think our best chance to win for stretches is by having you off the floor even when it goes outside of your normal rest period. But you might just be past the idea of, hey, we've got to start catering to people's feelings or, or players' feelings if we want to actually be a team that can, can compete for a championship. I think that's the conversation Quinn Snyder has to have and you know the Jazz have to have. Okay, two things off that. Number one, I think you just made a drop. You want to be weird? We can be weird. That's a drop for Ben right there. Use that. Ben, you're going to be hearing yourself pretty much every hour now of every show. That's one. I'm excited. <laughs> I thought you would be. And then uh, two, as long as you're going to do uh, weird, unusual stuff, I don't think this is as revolutionary as some of the other stuff, but we have seen Quinn start to use a zone. I think there are times it's been successful. How much zone do you think he can throw with people before they start to solve that? Is that something he's going to sit on and wait for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think you certainly can. I think it actually was pretty interesting against the Houston Rockets, and I don't think Quinn Snyder loves the idea that no. you're allowing teams to get certain shots, and actually decent shots. You know, you're allowing teams to shoot three-pointers, and that's very against what the Jazz defense tries to do. They want to take away the three and funnel you into Rudy Gobert because any shot through Rudy Gobert in the vicinity is a bad shot, but teams have clearly solved that. So uh, I think the zone might actually make some sense there. Uh, and also, if you're really still trying to funnel players into uh, Gobert or into mid-range shots, and you think those are your best looks, you can probably play you know, a zone that has Rudy Gobert patrolling the paint and then four guys on the perimeter that just switch everything. And that can negate some of that small size, and that can also negate some of the dribble penetration where you can just say, hey, we have two guys who can kind of trap at the top and two guys who are patrolling that, uh, you know, that, that free throw line extended over to, the, over to the true corner three. And you, have, you hope you have the speed uh, and the players that can fill those zones and take care of that. And if you beat them, you're either pulling up for a mid-range shot or you're going into Rudy Gobert to paint, and that's, that's up to you. Uh, and then you have to focus on making sure you're not getting beat backdoor, which is happening a lot right now with the Jazz. So there's some issues on top of that. But certainly there's some opportunities, I'm sure, scheme-wise, that Quinn Snyder can and will play with that, uh, that we'll see. And we didn't even address the fact that he could just simply change the starting lineup again if he wanted to and, and see if that works. The tweak might not necessarily need to be major. Yeah, so do you anticipate that happening or that we go status quo and just hope things get better? I, I, I don't think that's the case because I think we even saw it last night where uh, George Nying lost his minutes in the second half or at least for a stretch to Emmanuel Moutier and Juwan Morgan came in and played instead of Tony Bradley. I think Quinn Snyder's already recognized, hey, this isn't just scheme. It's not just effort, even though effort hasn't been great the last three games for stretches. It's it's personnel. There's got to be some changes for certain matchups that that require different players. I would would view those two, and we did see that. There's no question about that. But I would view those as minor. Do you view them as anything other than that? I agree. Those are minor. uh, But maybe you shake up the starting lineup. I mean, maybe if the defense isn't good enough or you don't feel like you have a player that's stopping dribble penetration, you have to go back to Royce O'Neal in the starting lineup instead of Joe Ingles or instead of Mike Conley. You know, I think those are conversations you could certainly have as well. And I would suspect the first move would be to swap Royce and Joe Ingles. And I, I, you know, I won't be surprised if we see that in the next game, if not, if not the next two games. Ben Anderson joining us. You hear him on Jazz pre, half, and post game. You know, most of the problems have been defensive, although we have heard from a lot of listeners uh, about the offensive issues. The only thing that jumps out at me offensively, the turnovers, and I try to recognize aggressiveness as part of the game, yada, yada, and trying to get too wound up about them. But when I see 18, 19 turnovers in a game, it's hard for me to ignore. How much are they a part of these defensive issues? 
They're big, and it's especially troubling when you have six at the half and you have 13 in the second half. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a close game. It was 62-62, and the ball over. And despite the fact that you weren't playing great, you were still in that game. And then you have 13 giveaways in, in you know one half of, uh, of basketball, and, and you're gonna you're just not gonna have an opportunity to win. So I think that's one problem. And then I think another problem, and I'll, I'll be curious what caused this. Were are they gun shy because they shot so poorly against the Houston Rockets that they stopped taking threes against the Phoenix Suns because they only attempted 26? Or does an opposing team playing that small lineup sucker the Jazz into thinking, hey, well, we've got a size advantage, so let's let's go down low and take advantage of that size, and they really don't have a size advantage. You know, they, they really don't have an ability to exploit that. So you get Boyan Bogdanovich trying to put the ball on the floor to attack and get a, you know, a decent mid-range shot because he's bigger than his defender, and all they do is poke the ball away because he dribbles the ball shoulder high sometimes. You know, is that part of the problem? When really they just need to say, hey, instead of dribbling in and turning the ball over on eight of those, what if we pull up for eight threes? And the difference is now we've taken 34 threes in that game instead of you've taken, you know, 28 threes or 26 threes like they did last night. Does that change the game? Because instead of giving up these bigger runs, you break it by hitting a three. You break it because, you know, you've got the best three-point shooting team in the NBA that should be capable of making some of those shots. And does that force the opposing team to adjust how they're playing defensively? I think that's a major problem for the Jazz right now, that they're just not taking enough threes, at least they didn't last night. Would you be surprised if it was Royce being inserted into the starting lineup for Conley? I would. I think moving Conley back to the bench would would be a drastic move, especially because I think some of the issues have been how difficult it's been to work him back in the lineup. You know, you didn't have him against San Antonio, and I thought it would have been very helpful. Uh, and then you played him against Houston, and I think that was kind of a jarring change again just to get him back. And then last night they just didn't play well at all. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it was Mike Conley's fault, though he certainly didn't have a standout game. But other than Donovan Mitchell's high-scoring night, nobody really had a standout game. So I, I don't think it's Mike Conley. Still, I don't think that's the issue. And really, you haven't been getting a whole lot from Ingles over the last few games either. And, and you know, I don't know if that's because they can't play together in the starting lineup, whether that's Conley or Ingles. I, I, you know, clearly there's some evidence that that might be the case. But I still think you probably default to keeping Conley in the lineup and moving Royce O'Neal back in. You know, I don't think it's that they can't play together. I don't think that's precisely it. I just think when you have three guys trying to initiate the offense, that's there aren't enough possessions for one guy. All three of those guys might be point guards. I think, I think Donovan Mitchell can initiate the offense, Joe Ingles can, and Mike Conley can. But the fact is, you don't need three guys. You need two because guys are off the floor, and sometimes you want to take advantage of a matchup. But when you get the third guy in there, it's going to take possessions away from somebody else. You just you don't need three. I think that's the rub. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, it's not that Joe Ingles, you know, runs into some magic that exists out there that he can't play when Mike Conley's around him. You know, there's there's nothing like that. But yeah, I mean, their their styles of play are probably far more similar than we think just because they look so much differently and their games are so much different. But their their style of play and their rhythm is probably somewhat similar that they don't quite fit together with one another when they're on the floor. Because you're right, Mike Conley needs to be a little bit more ball dominant, but so does Joe. You know, Joe runs a lot of no pass possessions when he's playing point guard, where, where he's got Rudy Gobert as a roller as an option. But if, if they stick with Rudy Gobert, he gets an easy layup, but he never has to pass, and he can still be effective. Well, Ben, I think we fixed everything. <laughs> I, I won't be surprised if the Jazz play significantly better against Boston, not because of our conversation. 
I actually think because they play to the level of opposition and Boston will get their full attention, uh, it's actually good they're playing somebody who's a really good team. PK would rather see uh, Cleveland come in and come in shorthanded. Yeah, well, I mean, they both have their pluses. Cleveland would probably be a more likely victory, uh, but there's certainly some emotion still tied to this Gordon Hayward game, and that team's embarrassed. I mean, the Jazz are embarrassed right now. They were... It took them 45 minutes at least to, to open up the locker room last night. You know, Quinn Snyder was very candid, I thought, and very earnest after the game. I seem not proud of how they're playing right now, and, and I, they know they can play better, and Jazz fans know they can play better. It's not like the talent got sucked out of the out of the lineup or out of that locker room. They're still very good. They're still very talented. They're flawed, but, you know, now it comes back to uh, whether or not you have the, uh, you know, the, the competitiveness to fix it, and that's something Rudy Gobert talked about last night. Thanks, Ben. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Ben Anderson, Jazz pre-half and post-game. I thought the Rudy comment I liked the best is we're mentally tough enough if we want to finish fifth or sixth in the West. Rudy said that? Rudy said that, but we have to be mentally tougher if we want to win a championship. He was asked if the team was mentally tough enough. He says, yes, we're tough enough to finish fifth or sixth. We have to be tougher if we want to win a championship. I don't think that's anything you can argue with. Nope. Thought that was spot on. I, I would agree with that 100%. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A recap of everything we've talked about in this show coming up next. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz lose their third in a row, 131 to 111 to the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker led the visitors with 24. Donovan Mitchell had 38 for the Jazz. Jazz are off today. Celtics here tomorrow night. Late game, 830 for ESPN. Elsewhere in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard, 25 points. Clippers beat the Grizzlies, 124-97. Rockets beat the Knicks, 123-112. James Harden with 37. And the Mavericks beat the Timberwolves, 139-123. College basketball tonight, Utah State hosts San Jose State in Logan. 9 o'clock, you can watch the game on ESPN2. Listen to it on the Zone Sports Network. Scotty G on the call, pregame show at 8 30. BYU climbed six spots from 23-17 to 17 in the newest AP college basketball poll. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Ken Garf, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. Get a new Jeep or Ram for less at Ken Garf, West Valley, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. Visit them today. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Apparently, there is a bowling alley having a naked bowler night. What a surprise you picked this story. Well, that's unusual. There is one particular item of clothing that everyone must wear. Bowling shoes. Boy, that's one time you don't want to see Harry pick up the 710 split. (laughs) You have a one-track mind. You know that? How do I have a one-track mind? This is an unusual event. What sport would you most prefer to uh, to, to, to play naked? I'm not participating. (laughs) What about naked axe throwing? (laughs) Turn this out. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to catch you up to date on everything you've missed in the show. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. What the heck happened to the Utah Jazz has been topic number one, two, and three this morning. They didn't defend a lick. And a lick, he's a tough player, man. You have (laughs) got to defend the lick because he can light you up. I've been saying that for years. A lick, you got to watch out for that guy. And at this point, (laughs) 
<laughs> he says, moving on. <laughs> a lick's tough. Very versatile. The, the modern-day player, I think, is a lick right there. Uh, you know, put the ball on the floor, step outside, go inside, post you up, pass out of the double team, out of the monster, if you will. How in the world did they give up more than 30 points in the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter? A lick beat them. And that 37-point third quarter, that was special. When the Suns took control of the game. I'm the king of seeing a lead and saying, oh, the game's over. And you are the king of, it ain't over till it's over in the NBA. There's so many possessions and three-point shots. It ain't over till it's over. But 99-88 going to the fourth quarter. Well, I think the complexion of the game, I think you can feel it. And this was a dreary arena. They needed some jazz dancers or the bear or the... Fireworks? The dunk team or, I don't know, something to get it going. But, you know, you really can't blame the fans because they're a product of what they see out on the floor. They're willing and able and waiting. Every single one of those people who come to the game want to go nuts. They want to have a great time. That's why they're here. right? That's why they come down on a Monday night. And the ball club didn't provide them a great time. And so what do you expect? But, yeah, it was it was like one of those, like a baseball game in Tampa or someplace where they don't draw, you know, 10,000 people in a 45,000-seat arena stadium, and there's no atmosphere whatsoever. Uh, that's what you had, and that's just shocking. It really is shocking. This is a shocking development. It never contemplated my mind that they would be 0-3. Never. It's not like they were playing the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks. I actually counted it up and thought they could play pretty well and go 3-2 and two in this homestand, which that could be a problem. It's not going to happen now. Not going to happen now. Not when a lick came in They here. haven't played well. They aren't going to win three games on the homestand. They may not win two. Yeah, now it's about, you know, I asked Quinn Snyder yesterday about the standings and how mm-hmm. much he's looking at them. Mm-hmm. Well, now don't look at them at all. Because playing like this, it won't matter where they're seated. It won't matter who they match up with. They will get beat. Yeah, and it, to me, uh, your seed will be your seed. How are you playing then? You know, where where's your team in the terms of mentally and physically, yeah. health-wise, all those things that matter? Because you're not going to get that good seed that you wanted unless something dramatically changes. But at this point, it, I don't care. Because I still believe if they're playing well they have an opportunity to win a first-round series. And that's, I mean, that's not even the goal right now because you still have 26 games to go. For them, that shouldn't be the goal. But for me, looking forward, that that's the goal for them to win a first-round series. And it's, it's like BYU and Utah State in the NCAAs. Win a first-round game and then see where you're at, who you're playing, who's healthy, what's going on with your team at that point. But to me, that's the same thing with the Jazz. Win a first-round series. Right now it looks difficult. But I think there's enough time for them to get this thing right. and it, It's got to level off to some degree. They're not this bad. They're just not. They're not this bad. I want to agree with you, and I think you're right. And yet Quinn Snyder summed it up with, you are, whatever you are as a player, it is what you are doing and how you are playing now. Oh, not yeah, how you yeah. play. I love how he said it. Two months ago or a year ago or whatever, and not how you're going to play in a month or two months. You're right. 
It's what are you right now? And right now, everybody's really bad. Yeah. But as Ben said, we just had uh, Ben Anderson on. Uh, you know, they, they were exhibiting a lot of talent and skill six weeks ago. That didn't all go away. They suddenly didn't get old and slow in the last six weeks. Maybe teams are being a little more strategic about how they attack them, but I think it's still on each individual guy. You just got to play better. You know, the good thing is guy. just like when they had that five-lane losing streak that this is nothing that a few wins can't cure. Well, that's a good example of how quickly they went, you know, penthouse to outhouse, back to penthouse, back to outhouse. That was an extreme uh, situation, but I can't disagree with you. Yes, because— They looked terrible in that five-game stretch, and then in the four-game winning streak, they looked really good. I thought the Houston and Miami wins were both really good wins. No question. Yeah. And I'm not buying the whole uh, it's the schedule thing because you're losing to lottery teams, you're losing to shorthanded teams. Is anybody it's, saying it's, it's the schedule the anymore? It's it's dropped off. Uh, with I, I haven't heard it uh, this morning at all. Not this morning. Oh, because you're going to say, you have my permission to kick him in the groin. <laughs> All right, other stuff we've talked about this morning. You mentioned college basketball and the NCAA tournament. Uh, filed this one under games you got to win. Utah State, San Jose State at home. The Spartans are a bad basketball team. Utah State's a good basketball team. The NCAA selection committee will really ding you if you mess this up. I can't imagine they're going to do that. That's what I was saying about the Jazz losing to the Suns 24 hours ago. Who cares what I think? I think they're going to go out and win by 20. I think there should be a rule that all senior nights end in victory. <laughs> well, San Jose's 3-13 in conference, 7-21 overall, and they're 1-11 on the road. So if this doesn't end in a victory, something's gone horribly wrong for Scotty G's Utah State Well, Aggies. in this case, uh, Craig T. Smith would grow hair. He wouldn't pull it out because he, he didn't have it. Okay. He'd come in tomorrow with a wig. 9 o'clock ESPN2. I am stunned that ESPN2 will let San Jose State anywhere near their airwaves. But, hey, it's good What's for the Aggies. It's a Tuesday night. What else yeah. are they going to have on? <laughs> they need something, right? Uh, BYU, 17th in the new AP poll. Not the number I care about, but it goes hand-in-hand with the number everyone cares about, which is what seed line are you on? And I think the consensus is six. Some people say five or seven. But the consensus is six right now. And so as they move up in the polls, they're moving up in the seed line. The two go together. And if it helps you recruit, why not? I think victories go together, most importantly. And so it's fun to say you were 17th. Uh, No question about that. Uh, You know, what we'll remember the most is the success in the NCAA tournament. And they've got, uh, you know, I can argue three, well, they'll have at least two tough games left. But I could argue that they may have three, you know. If If they win that Monday night in Vegas 13 days from now. Then obviously, man, that that would be an epic showdown, the rubber match of Gonzaga and uh, the Cougs. And Gonzaga comes in, you've got their oh, full attention because oh, you, you just and, beat them, and you got eighty five, ninety percent of the crowd. Right, and then your coach called out your lack of toughness. So yes, and if, that was good if, that he did that if, because I thought it was apparent BYU was tougher. And if the final is Gonzaga BYU round three, it's on. I've listened to Mark Few and interviewed him enough to know. That he's going to go to the truth. He's going to cut through the BS. I mean, he will, he's so secure there. I mean, that they're not going to fire him. Untouchable. He committed major NCAA violations. And, and even then. Uh, so, uh, you're calling it like it is. But that would that would just be epic to, to see that. And what are the Cougars? Are they like... Uh, a 14-2 and two with Childs? Something along those lines? 15-2. and 15-2. and two. 
And who are the two losses? Overtime. Overtime. To uh, the Utes. Mm-hmm. And that was even a little bit of a... You know, a little bit of an asterisk because he sat out at the end. He's he had the, had the leg yeah. cramps, right? After he at, played so brilliantly. Uh, he didn't play at Gonzaga, so it's not that. He no, didn't play. it's San Francisco. It's, it's USF. It's yeah. USF. USF yeah. yeah. And that's a one-pointer with a guy coming off the bench to go 10 for 10. Right. Yep. Crazy. Because he had the leg cramps against the Utes. Then he had the finger issues, sat back, sat out a few more games. But now he's back. and I'm excited for this team. I'm excited to get down to Vegas to watch you know we go down to vegas to cover it but it was somewhat i mean i'm always excited to get down there and watch some basketball in a, in a winter lose situation that increases the intensity but i never really felt they had a shot to win the conference tournament since they've been in the west coast conference now i do expect they'll get the double buy so although you'll get down to vegas for the tournament you won't be there all that long they're not playing friday they're not playing saturday well, i'm Sunday's not going down off to day. So yeah, so it'll I'm be. I'm going uh, down Sunday, so we'll be at the gym Monday, and then I'm expecting. I'm going to root for him to be. I would love to see Gonzaga, BYU on Tuesday, and then I'll wake up Wednesday in Vegas, and since I'm already there, I'll cover the Utes because they're most likely well. Decent, play Wednesday. I haven't looked into it, but some of the guys in the sports office on Sunday were talking about how there's a pretty good chance the Utes are going to get that first game in that conference tournament. That you'll wake up Wednesday and head right over because they'll. They'll have the early game. Yeah, I think it starts at noon, and that's, yeah. yeah. Which with these guys... I guess that's where the 8-9 game goes, and there's a really good yeah. chance. Be, I mean, they could get to 7 or 10, but there's a pretty good chance they're going to be the 8-9 game. And I think they got a decent chance to win that game. Yeah. Toss-up. If they play like they're capable of playing like they did against SC. Now, SC had a couple guys sick, but... I still like the way they played. It was more about Utah playing than the opponent and their... Uh, that, that particularly that tall foreign guy who was sick. They tried to have him go, but he, he got nothing. He had nothing in the tank. All the stuff we have been talking about here, the uh, NFL's competition committee, skeptical of the pass interference review. But after two days of meetings at the scouting combine, they're not yet ready to recommend an end to the one-year experimental rule. I just have a hard time seeing them end it. Because if they do, and I get that there's all these gray areas and trying to be perfect on pass interference calls is impossible. And the uh, the Packers president, uh, the CEO, Mark Murphy, said overall the results were not great. I think it's putting New York in office in a very difficult position. Yeah, I think instant replay has put it there. And I think the amount of attention on the league and the passion around the league has put it there. If you take it off and then the officials miss something obvious, it's going to be on you. So I don't think they want to take that rule away. And there will be, as you point out, uh, you know, the Saints season two years in a row has ended with controversial pass interference plays. The one against the Rams, everybody knows they blew it. I just don't think they can go back to making that possible. Now, this year they get eliminated, and was it offensive pass interference by the letter of the law? Absolutely. Are they going to call it in that situation? No, I really don't expect it. I'm not emotionally, I'm not rooting for a team, and I'm not gambling on games, so I'm not in the way some people are in, and I get why they're upset. I think the New York office is just going to have to be in a difficult position. I don't think there's any way out of that. And as long as they get the obvious stuff right and get most of them right, there's always going to be stuff to complain about. So I say keep the rule. Okay. Done. Madison Bumgarner of your Arizona Diamondbacks 
The GM, Mike Hazen in Arizona, was asked, uh, do you know about that? And he said he was aware that Bumgarner was, quote, a very strong horseman. Does anyone talk like that? He's as strong as a horse. <laughs> do, do people? A very strong horseman. Uh, he, Mike Hazen? Mike Hazen walks on water down there. <clears throat> Why is that? Because he took over. Larusa and Dave Stewart made some horrendous decisions. Mm-hmm. And he took over, and they knew they had to rebuild They had an awful farm system, and they've rebuilt in the process of why not crashing. They've had a playoff appearance, Mm -hmm. and then last year where they won 80-some games, and then they made some trades this year, and Madison Bumgarner is a free agent. They got the center fielder from Pittsburgh. And so they feel like that they're going to be competitive. So even though they went through a rebuild, it wasn't – Say like, uh, well, the Padres is uh, closer to the example for you hitting home. They they haven't been under five hundred, and so he got he uh, got Bumgarner for under a hundred million, eighty five million for five years. He's only making like six he million did, this year. He said he was okay. The GM said he was okay with the mm-hmm. fact he didn't know when he signed him that he'd been in the rodeo, and he's okay with it. I think he's okay with it because he knows I got clauses in the contract. If he gets hurt and messes up his arm or his hand or whatever doing that. I don't have to pay the $85 million. He's not going to call. And now, privately, he may tell Baumgartner, okay, the gig's up. Knock and it plus, off. he came from the Red Sox. Uh-huh. And then the Red Sox had the GM opening, and he turned it down. Oh, there it is. Yeah. The most important part. Exactly. So he loves he wants to be with us. He wants to be in Arizona. Yeah. And they had purple. So, They've gone to Sedona Red, but they had purple uh-huh. in their colors. And so his nickname is Purple Hazen. Got it. See what they're doing there. That's clever. And Jose Altuve struck out in his first at bat. He was heckled, later grazed by a pitch. He was hit by a pitch and grazed his foot. How long before? Ron Gardenhire, a Tigers manager, had a good quote about this. The Astros have to wear it for a while, but people will get tired of moving on. But it's the fans' right. It's going to go on for a while. Did not define a while, whether that's, I mean, a month of spring training and then the, the first time they go into every ballpark after that. Maybe after that it dies down. I don't know if people are still getting on them the second time they come through town. If they make the postseason, I think it will come back. Oh, yeah. But if they make the postseason, won't there be a certain amount of, yeah, we shouldn't have done it, but it wasn't that big a difference. I mean, look how good we are. We're back in the playoffs again. Mm, yeah, but that just that makes it even clear. worse. They'll say that, but yeah, other people it makes will it not worse. Be okay with that. It, that's like saying uh, if they lose change the that series. call in the second quarter. If they lose yeah. the playoff series— then it'll go back to, see, yeah, you're a playoff team, but you wouldn't have won the World Series. Or, yeah, but you you took away, you battered Clayton Kershaw's postseason rep. Yep. And the Dodger and Yankee fan bases are ticked. They both lost seven gamers to you. And I think the most important thing is the reaction of their peers. Furious. The code got set aside. It was suddenly okay to bash another player. Mike Trout, who doesn't say anything, is coming uh, out and say, I lost respect. Yeah. And he's not a guy who complains. Yeah. Uh, now his, who's his the dude who said to be uh, very, very uh, the guy from uh, Atlanta, they should be taken out and beaten? Marcakis. Nick Marcakis. Okay, so that that's was, extreme. That was extreme and over but the top. But Trout has all the cachet. Because he's a superstar of the highest level. Who plus he hasn't said anything right. for five, six years. Nothing controversial yeah. at all. Is it, he does interviews. They're just very by the book and yeah. generic and vanilla. But when he, I thought the most devastating part was when he was joking about it. When he goes, I think it'd be fun to know what's coming. 
I'm paraphrasing. Oh, but yeah. That got, uh, Stan that said he did 80, 80 bombs. I did if, 80 home runs. If I knew what was coming. I don't doubt the guy. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I don't. I don't doubt him. I mean, he's just, you know, he's huge and he's strong. I saw him. I went to a game a couple years back where he was playing, and that thing got out of there. If you literally blinked, it, you missed it. I mean, that guy is so strong, and I don't doubt that he would have hit 80 home runs if he would have known what's coming. I, and I actually, I don't think that that was too far off. Certainly in his 70s, if he knows what's coming, yeah, and he can gear up for a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, and he gets he gets the bat on a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Gone. He can check swing and hit it out. Gone. With his strength and the velocity of the ball. All right, that's what we have been discussing here this morning. That's outrageous. <laughs> Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Tim Lacombe, Senior Night, Paz, and all those guys that had fought so hard for that program for so many years to be able to play Gonzaga and play that well. I mean, what were your emotions knowing these guys so personally watching that game? I was so anxious. It was like I was there. And, you know, Zags made that big run, which you knew they were going to do. But I was just so impressed with the way you fought and clawed and everything. Every single guy seems like made a play to help him win that game. I was so relieved when the game was over and they'd won. I'm not going to lie, I don't cry a lot, but you know, I had a few tears in my eyes to watch that environment and know what those guys have been doing and done for so many years You know, to try to get that thing. It was really, really special. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. If you want to be weird, we can be weird. I wonder if it's fatigue with the Jazz. So many international players all playing on their Olympic trial teams, plus the All-Star weekend and all that. Uh, two of our guys didn't get a break. Maybe it's just fatigue. The Jazz play like J.R. Smith right now. They're really streaky. They're either awesome or they're just garbage. They uh, keep playing down to their competition. I don't know how many teams we've lost to lately that are missing their best scores. It's stupid. It's so obvious. The Jazz just need Yoli Childs. The Jazz are playing like J.R. Smith. That's what jumped out at me right there. At uh, no point do well, I want that analogy. They're fatigued after coming a week off. Because two guys were at the All-Star game. So I think, and if you want to do well after the All-Star break, mm-hmm. suck and don't get anybody invited to the All-Star game. Yeah, well, the Rockets had two guys play at the All-Star game, and they came out and looked good. Dang it! I know. I was thinking Phoenix and San Antonio. They didn't have any, right? <laughs> They didn't. They didn't, and it paid oh, off. Oh, no, Booker them. played. Oh, because the injury replacement with Lillard. You're yeah, right. Booker yeah. did get in. Yeah, You're right. But the Spurs were all star free. And then he came back. All right, time for your feedback. And it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $359 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. I should have known it was the media's fault, this whole losing streak. We need to hold people accountable like they do when they're lighting guys up on LA, Chicago, and New York sports radio. Because that's fixed the Bulls and the Knicks. Well, it's interesting you say that because I've had opportunities to go to all three cities, but I've turned them down. Yeah. Stay here in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't say to work there. I just said opportunities to go to the go. cities. Yeah. yeah. Chicago's getting hit by a big snowstorm. You don't want to go right now. We got, we got blue skies and sunshine out there. It's the place to be. <laughs> I could take it a little warmer. But it's not bad. 
Evan says it's a copycat league. Houston has the blueprint. Go small. Spread the floor. Eliminate the impact of Gobert. Jazz are horribly defensively on the perimeter, giving up dribble penetration. Uh, I agree with the last point. And they have certainly been horrible defensively on the perimeter, letting guys drive by him. Houston hasn't won anything yet here. Houston has not won anything. And I also <laughs> say that, that it doesn't matter to me about the go small, the spread, the floor. The teams have been doing that for the Jazz for a while. Denver and Minnesota have big guys who can go out and shoot the three. So having five three-point shooters on the floor, they faced that before. Yeah, Portland does it. The Lakers do it. Yeah. On down the line. Yeah. Actually, Phoenix doesn't really do it that much. Although they, Aiton didn't play, he was uh, what six of seven or something, something like that. But he only played in the low twenties. He's not a three point shooter. David says hello. Jordan Clarkson is the epitome of an energy guy who comes in and blows everything up. JC's our energy guy. We are not missing an energy guy. Offensively, you're right, David. We were talking about the defensive junkyard dog types. But offensively, he definitely is energy guy, and he does light up the place and get the arena going. Yeah. And he was more average, which is still pretty good for the role you're asking him. Corey uh, and little bro like this tweet that came in, uh, and it comes from Clint originally. I think the players have come to depend on Gobert cleaning up defensive mistakes instead of also playing defense themselves. Great. I hope that's the issue, man, because that's pretty fixable. Pretty fixable. All right. We are out of time. Thanks for joining us. Tony and Austin are next. We'll see you tomorrow.